As certified financial planners, we've seen firsthand how financial wellness is connected to other areas of wellness in our lives. Join us as we explore the relationship between our physical, emotional, and financial well-being and share the habits and tools we found effective in the pursuit of a balanced, intentional life. I'm Lauren. I'm Donna Grace. This is Life Rebalanced. Welcome to today's episode of the Life Rebalanced podcast. This afternoon, Donna Grace and I wanted to talk to you about employer benefits and open enrollment. As this season is approaching, we notice that in working with our clients, this is an area where a lot of people overlook some potential benefits that they could be taking advantage of. When we think about employer benefits, we generally think about health insurance and a variety of things that are made available to us. And the financial importance of these decisions is really key because not only are your employers sponsoring a portion of these benefits for you and paying for a part of them, which is beneficial to you, but in a lot of cases, there's also some tax benefits to some of these benefits that you can elect. Yes. I think it's important to remember that when your employer makes you a job offer and they put your package together... This is what makes it a package, right? It's not just your salary when you're getting hired. Your cost as an employee to the organization also factors in things like taxes and employee benefits. So if you really want to make the most of it, I would really suggest taking a look at all of your benefits and seeing what you can take advantage of. Otherwise, it's almost like you're giving your employer a break. You're like, you know what? I don't need that. It's fine. You can keep some of that money. So I would absolutely take a look and seeing what is beneficial for you in your lifestyle, what's available to you and how it makes the most sense. We'd never think of leaving an employer match in the 401k plan on the table. We don't. No, (laughs) (laughs) certainly. And if you're not leveraging these other benefits that are available to you to their fullest extent, it's almost like leaving that matching contribution from your employer on the table. People look at it when you first get a job. But I think it's very easy to have a set it and forget it mentality in that you get in there and you just assume that what you had last year is what you're going to go with this year. And maybe there's a change to your health plan, but it's just going to happen automatically. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get lazy about things. We know that statistically, at least when it comes to like retirement in the 401k world, that when we talked about the idea of opting in or opting out, you are far less likely to change something more likely to not change than you are to change. So if you have to opt into something, you're less likely to participate. If you have to opt out of it, you are more likely to participate. This is something that comes up in our industry all the time. I would say that that's a really important behavioral factor to consider when you're applying it to the rest of your benefits, right? Because your 401k will continue. If you're participating, it it will continue. But the other things, sometimes new things come up each year that you want to be aware of. Oftentimes, these decisions can be overwhelming to people. Yeah. So if this is not your lane of the highway in your area where you feel confident and comfortable, you might be looking at some of the options available to you and going, how do I know what I'm supposed to choose and what these benefits are? And that's really what Donna Grace and I want to talk about today is to kind of break those down for you, make it easily digestible and understandable so that when you are signing up for the benefits with your employer, you can be more informed and make more educated decisions. Let's jump right into it. There are things that you think of typically as employer benefits, right? Like your retirement plan or your health plan, but there are actually more benefits than just that. There are actually four categories to employer benefits to consider. You have benefits at work, 
You have benefits for your health. You have benefits for your financial stability or security. And then there are lifestyle benefits. So I'd like to go through a few in each of those categories. Your own company may offer things additionally to what I suggest here. If you work for a smaller company, you may not have some of these benefits. But I think it's good to know that they may exist in the world. And a lot of people are switching jobs right now. Mm -hmm. As part of this whole great resignation, I would argue that employer benefits in some of these areas are becoming more valuable than maybe just salary is to a lot of people, depending on your own situation. So do consider it. Yeah. In terms of benefits at work, if you're wondering what that even refers to, think of the easiest one I can think of. And that's your hours, like your work time, flex time. That's a huge thing that's come up right now is does your company offer flex time, meaning the ability to work from home and the ability to work in the office, either or. Also things like holidays, Some companies are open on certain holidays. Well, do you get to rotate who's off? Those are all kinds of things that you can negotiate, like paid parental leave, stuff like that. Depending what state you're in, it may not be mandatory that it's paid, but you may have a company that offers it. So those are all the kind of benefits that have to do with being at work and your work time that may or may not be financial, but could have huge impact on your satisfaction at work and your decision to work there. Also like skills development. Is that something that you see a lot now? Yeah. I'm starting to see more of that, thankfully. Definitely. And I was even going to throw in there what we think of when we think of the Google complexes. Hmm. What is available to you at work? Are they adding and throwing in little perks like a coffee shop that's available 24-7, laundry on site, a variety of things? They really want to keep you working there. (laughs) They do. All the time. (laughs) They do. And there is a bit of crossover between those lifestyle benefits and the workplace benefits too. But there are a number of things that are available. And to your point, you will see, I think, more employers offering these kinds of things to find and retain quality employees. There are some benefits that are offered because the law says they have to be offered. If you're a certain size company, you have to have a health plan. If you're a certain size company, you have to offer retirement benefits. But... There are a lot that are really there for employee attraction and retention. They want to get the best people. They want to keep the best people. That's what they're going for with benefits. So if you see a company with rich benefits, that's telling you that they really value you and they want you to stay. Mm -hmm. How about health and wellness? So this, to me, has a huge financial impact. It does. And these are some of those benefits that you were talking about. The workplace benefits are something that you evaluate when you're deciding whether or not you want to work in a particular place. But these types of benefits, the health and wellness benefits are something that are continually changing and they may be expanding their offerings. And it's something that typically during open enrollment on a yearly basis, you want to evaluate because not only do the plans that your employer is offering change, sometimes your life circumstances change and may dictate that a different plan would be better for you in one year versus another. Yeah. So these are things like the different types of health insurance benefits that might be available to you. You might have a decision between something like an HMO or a PPO provider on the health insurance side, or now commonly employers are offering high deductible plans that are eligible for you to set up a health savings account in conjunction with that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wonder sometimes if people don't have an advisor to talk to or are not engaged with their HR benefits people, if they would look at having a high deductible plan and say, oh, 
that's a lot of financial burden on me. This is what I'm choosing. But then not understand the benefit of the health savings account, the HSA, and how they really do work in conjunction together. Do you want to go through a couple of the points on that and how that works? Yeah, I would love to spend some time talking about this right now because honestly, I think this is probably one of the most underutilized financial tools that is commonly available to people now. So typically with these high deductible plans, as you said, the deductible might be a little bit higher than you would find in, let's just compare it to a PPO plan. So your premiums on the PPO plan might be a little bit higher, but your deductibles are lower. So there's a trade-off there. On the HSA side, your premiums might be a little bit lower and your deductibles are higher, but typically you're required to come out of pocket for the full cost of any medical care you receive upfront. And I think this is a big deterrent for a lot of people for electing this type of plan because to think about coming out of pocket the full cost of the doctor's visit, whereas on the PPO plan, you're just paying that $40 copay or whatever it might be is a little bit of a deterrent. But once you sit down and maybe with a financial advisor or another professional and analyze the cost to you, when you're paying premiums out of pocket, you're paying for something you may or may not be using. So if you're paying a larger premium for a benefit that you in that year don't ever utilize, that's money that you may argue wasn't very well spent. With the HSA, a lot of times what you're doing is You're hoping that you are healthy and don't need to utilize the benefits that are available to you. So your premiums might remain lower. And then you have the ability to put money into what is called a health savings account. Your healthcare plan makes you eligible to contribute to this health savings account, but they are two entirely separate things. They are. And I would like to point out that if you don't need to use the money that's in your HSA for health care purposes, it's not a use it or lose it situation. That money is actually invested. You can choose to invest it in mutual funds as opposed to just letting it sit in cash. So it's from the tax perspective, you're able to put pre-tax dollars in that grow tax deferred. And then as long as you use them for health care costs, either now or even down the line in retirement, you could let this just be an additional pre-tax investment account that grows as long as it is used for qualified healthcare purposes, the money also comes out tax-free. So it's like a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA had a baby <laughs> that you use for healthcare, right? You get the triple tax benefit of pre-tax in, tax-deferred growth, tax-free out. So it's pretty amazing. But if you don't need it for healthcare purposes, which I don't know any retired person who doesn't, but if you don't, then it's just like having an additional like IRA or tax-deferred account if you're of eligible age. So it's got a lot of value to it if you're looking to save additional money on a pre-tax basis. Absolutely. And not only is it on a pre-income tax basis, but if your employer has it set up where you can make those contributions to the health savings account through a payroll deduction via your employer... As they should. (laughs) Yes. You can also avoid FICA or Social Security and Medicare tax on those dollars you're contributing as well. So what are the limitations on how much you can put into a health savings account? Well, it depends on if you're an individual or a family. And these dollar amounts change every year, but they've come out with the dollar amounts for 2022. And as an individual, you could defer up to $3,650 into a health savings account. As a family, if you're covering a spouse or children or both, 
you can put a maximum of $7,300 into the health savings account. So you are putting pre-tax dollars in, saving tax on all of those dollars. If you are very healthy and don't utilize the health insurance and don't have to come up with any out-of-pocket costs for the year, you've now permanently, as Donna said, benefited from putting that into the HSA, saving the tax dollars, just like the traditional IRA. If in the future, at any point in time, you need to withdraw those dollars for medical expenses, it comes out tax-free like a Roth IRA. And as it's in that account, it is growing tax deferred. Now, one little caveat, and you'd want to check with your tax professional, but because I do live in the state of California, and I'm aware that New Jersey also has the same policy, they do not allow you on the state level to treat the HSA the way you are able to federally. So there may just be some considerations there. So just be aware of little things like that as you're looking at these benefits. But overwhelmingly, the HSA, even if the state does not treat it the same way as the federal government does, is tremendously potentially beneficial for you. I also like to point out that in addition to your regular health plan and things like an HSA, or we don't need to get into the details of it, but it's often confused with an FSA, which is a flexible spending account, which can be used for other things. It doesn't make me quite as excited as an HSA, but it's still a great tool. If you do have access to it, you can use it for childcare, stuff like that. In addition to those kinds of things where you're having deductions come from your paycheck, there may be other health and wellness benefits like discounts or fully paid for gym membership. Companies sometimes will offer a discount if you have certain good health practices I know these days, I don't know where you fall on it, but a lot of companies are offering a credit if you have your COVID vaccine. So there's all kinds of ways through your employer that you can either get money back or get a discount on things that have to do with promoting your own good health. Some are psychological support, depending what state you're in, fertility treatments. I mean, it's really quite remarkable across the board how many different types of benefits companies get creative with Mm -hmm. and put in there. How about we switch over to what I would call our area of expertise, which would be the financial security types of benefits. So the things we traditionally think of like other types of insurance, pensions, 401k. Do you want to start on it or do you want me to jump in? Sure, (laughs) sure. And I kind of already went down this path a little bit, but HSA is a little bit more of a financial tool in conjunction with the health and wellness benefits. Specifically for health. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And another benefit that I see a lot of people missing the mark on and not taking advantage of, and from my friends in HR, I hear it's because this is not a pre-tax benefit. So oftentimes people look at disability insurance and recognize that it is not paid on a pre-tax basis and decide, well, I'm not getting any tax savings from electing this benefit, so I'm just going to skip over it. So they'll take life insurance, but not disability. Yes. The odds of being disabled as a younger individual, particularly, Mm -hmm. versus needing the life insurance benefit are completely... Vastly higher. Oh, gosh. Much, much higher. So there's one thing you take away from what you're hearing from us today. Go and make sure that you and or your partner, if you have one, have elected the long-term disability insurance that your employer might offer typically the premiums on this are so minimal, like somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to $20 per pay period. Understand what the terms of your disability insurance are because it most likely is not going to cover any type of disability. 
So really talk to an agent or your financial advisor when you're going through it to understand what is covered. Is it any occupation? Is it own occupation? Now, these are important things to consider. And then what percentage of your salary is being replaced and for how long? These are really important things to understand. But protecting and covering your income, especially if you have a family, is just one of the most important things. The worst thing that could happen to them is if you died. The next worst thing financially that could happen to them is if you were disabled financially. Mm-hmm. That would be, could be very difficult. So yeah, you want to protect yourself and your family. Yes. And oftentimes these benefits also get confused with long-term care insurance, which is not what this benefit provides. Which may also be an employer benefit, but is not disability. Very different. It could be. But disability specifically covers and replaces a portion or sometimes most of your salary if you are disabled. And you do want to pay that on a pre-tax basis. The reason it's done as an aside on a pre-tax basis is that then those benefits you receive are tax-free. Whereas if you're paying for the benefit with pre-tax dollars, that benefit then would be taxable to you. So that's another consideration. I'd much rather have non-taxable income. I have a client that had a considerable amount of disability insurance payout for a number of years. He got very, very sick. And through the ending years of his working life, so through age 65, he had a significant amount of money payout for disability. And it was a lifesaver, sounds a little dramatic, but it had a major impact on his family. Major, major impact. Absolutely. We mentioned life insurance. I think most of our listeners probably understand life insurance generally, but through your employer, it's going to be term insurance, which means it will be for a certain number of years. And if you don't pass away, there's no cash value to it, but that's okay because you didn't die and I'd rather not die. Mm -hmm. So it's not an investment, it's insurance, it's risk management. The reason you want to get it through your employer is one, it's probably cheaper than if you got it on your own. But secondly, because it's through a group, you waive a lot of insurability issues. So if you have a health condition that would make you very expensive to insure or potentially uninsurable, you may be eligible under your group insurance. So that is very highly worth considering. Sometimes, I should say often, you can keep the insurance when you leave the company. So these are things to consider where there are things maybe you know you need, but you didn't want to bother taking care of it. This is me telling you to take care of it, plain and simple. How about on retirement? This is our jam. Let's real quick go through what some retirement benefits might be. Well, most commonly, everyone is familiar with the 401k benefits. And when you are evaluating your employer's 401k plan, you want to understand what is their matching contribution. So is it a 3% match for 100% of the first 3% of your salary that you put into the plan? Is it a split match where they might say, we match 100% of the first 3% and 50% of the next 3%, which means all told, if you're contributing 6%, they will match it with 4.5% of your salary. So you want to make sure at a bare minimum, you are at least putting into the 401k plan what your employer is matching. That's free money. (laughs) Yes, it is free money. And typically there will be some sort of vesting schedule associated with the plan because all of these benefits are partly done out of, as Donna mentioned earlier, some of them are required by law. And then a lot of them are done in an effort to attract and maintain employees. So they put a vesting schedule in place, which says of those free dollars, you only get a certain portion of it each year. So there may be a four-year vesting schedule where every year, 
in those first four years of your employment, 25% of what they have matched now is yours to take with you should you leave the employer-sponsored plan and leave the employer. The vesting schedule also applies to, there's a profit sharing component to your plan. And you may not have a 401k, you may have something similar like a simple IRA, which has different contribution limits. Your company may actually have a pension. We don't see a ton of them anymore, but there are still some out there. So understand what the calculation is for it, how long you have to work and what percentage of your salary is replaced. If you do have that, it's really important to understand how that works in case you want to be saving additional money on the side. Depending where you work, if there is a pension, they may have been significantly cut from what it used to be in the 80s and 90s. So be aware of that. Or you may have a plan, like I said, a simple or another type of IRA where it's a smaller amount you can put in and you need to save some more money on the side. So be considering that. Have you ever had someone come into work with you whose employer paid for your services? I haven't. Have you? Yes, I have. Sometimes your company may offer professional services. Usually it will be through some sort of group where there are participants in the area, but they'll pay for X number of dollars for a financial advisor for financial planning services. Because this is part of, when we talk about financial wellness, employers want their employees to feel financially secure. When you feel financially secure, you have less stress. When you have less stress, you are a better and more productive employee. Quite plain and simple. Them investing a little bit money in you, in the service, they know that they will reap rewards of that on a grander scale. Also, sometimes it goes to attorney services. So I've had clients who got their will and trust and powers of attorney done. So that was a great benefit. I'm trying to think what else falls into that category. But there's a whole bunch of professional services that can be retained through this type of benefit. So ask. And you know, if you work for a smaller company, you don't have this, ask them if they can do it. Sometimes they will. You'd be surprised the leverage you might have within your company to say, hey, you know, we'd be interested in this. Is it available? So yeah, those are all financial benefits that really have major long-term impact you want to be taking advantage of. How about when you think about lifestyle benefits? I've got two major things that come to mind. One is literally what we talk about here on (laughs) the podcast all the time. It's that work-life balance. It's understanding. And you may have been considering it when I mentioned, you know, earlier in this episode about having a flexible schedule, Mm -hmm. you know, working home, working remotely. But it really does have, like from a mobility perspective, the ability to work on the go if you need to is awesome. And I think if we've learned anything through the pandemic, it's that can be done and it can be done effectively maintaining productivity. So I really personally do value a workplace culture that probably requires people to be in person sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know here within our own office, it's hugely valuable. But if you can establish that in person, then you just maintain it remotely. So you have to come together sometimes, but as long as you have really strong values that you're instilling when you're here in person and making those bonds and making connections in person, I think you can maintain it during the times that people may need to be remote. But if it makes like family life easier, and it doesn't just have to be if you have kids, it could be that you have a spouse whose job has them all over the place. Maybe you don't want to leave, but you have a military spouse and they've gotten stationed somewhere else. Well, if you can maintain your job remotely, that's a major benefit to you and to your company because now your company doesn't have to retrain you if you're a highly productive and valued employee, right? Mm -hmm. Or we typically think also of those workplace childcare situations. Yeah. I know so many people who 
really valued the ability on their lunch break that they could go and just go and see their child and have that connection as a family unit while still at work. And I think we'll continue to see that. We're going through some growing pains as to how we structure and set up a lot of these benefits. But ultimately, if we can find a harmony between a benefit to the employer and the employee, I think we'll see a lot more of these lifestyle benefits being available. Yeah, absolutely. The goal of it is really just to say, hey, what do I have available to me through my employer? How can I leverage what's available to best fit my lifestyle, my values, my needs? Right? That's really what it is. It's kind of taking a whole package. You don't need to choose every single item on there and take advantage of it, but you choose the ones that make the most sense for you, the most sense for your life and your family, and that connect with your values the most. But yeah, make the most of your dollars, make the most of your employer's dollars. I mean, we could talk about this for hours and I'm sure we will (laughs) dive in a little bit deeper into some of these different categories on future episodes. But I hope that the takeaway for everyone, as you mentioned, is really take the time and evaluate during open enrollment these benefits that might be available to you and see where you can incorporate some to really benefit you, which is why your employer provides them. And if you have questions about them, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your HR benefits coordinator. They can help you. They can answer your questions. That's what they're there for. And until next time, be well. Be well.